Welcome back for another episode of the Peacemakers Podcast. I am your host, Lindsay Hager. I want to start off with a huge thank you to all of you for your messages and for your reviews for the podcast. This past year and a half of creating these episodes for you and getting to know you more through our Facebook group have been so incredibly fun and rewarding for me. You've probably noticed a recent update to the Facebook group name. It was formerly Enneagram 9 Stories, and now we are called the Peacemakers Community. In addition to that, my Instagram handle was previously Enneagram 9 Stories and is now lindsayhager.co. I'm making a few updates in preparation for season two of this podcast, and I'm just so excited for things coming up in this community. If you aren't subscribed to this podcast, don't forget to follow and subscribe and make sure you're signed up for my email list. And I'll link this down in the show notes for you guys if you're not already subscribed. I don't want you to miss out on everything we have coming up, including my four-week self-discovery workshop. Okay, so I'm going to go from zero to deep here, okay? So bear with me. Um, My question is... Do you ever have those moments where you feel connected to something larger than yourself? Something of a divine nature, uh, maybe that seems to be calling you? It may be something ordinary, like taking a walk or having a conversation with a friend. Or for me, it often happens when I have my windows down in my car and I'm driving on a beautiful day, listening to Sarah Bareilles, connecting with the lyrics and just feeling loved and somehow... I'm feeling something bigger than myself. Something divine is calling my name, meeting me there in the unexpected daily moments. What about during those more difficult experiences we go through in life? The intensity of walking through hardships with family members or the loss of a job or a conversation with someone that leaves you feeling unseen, hurt, or angry. And right there in those moments alongside the suffering, we can also feel something of the divine meeting us there, something bigger than us. Maybe in those difficult times, you don't notice it right away, but in the following days of that hardship, you're inspired to have conversations. You seek out advice from others or even just take a different route home from work that day. And suddenly you find yourself being met with this divine thing I'm describing. I remember in college during my freshman year, my parents divorced. It was out of nowhere for me and I felt really lonely. That day my mom told me the marriage was ending. I went back to my dorm room, tried to find people to call. No one was available. And I had to sit in my thoughts and my sadness. It wasn't until later that day or the next day that I was even able to process my initial shock with someone else. But in the suffering over those next few days and weeks, I found comfort and compassion amidst the uncertainty. It was like love piercing through the pain, coming to find me. There's something interesting to note here though, especially for those of us that tend to avoid pain and vulnerability at all costs. You know what I'm talking about. Those of us that like to play it safe and stick to the routines, we love to maintain our peaceful inner sanctum. And so often we aren't allowing ourselves even to be in the vicinity of deep love or suffering. 
For the type 9, the word indolence is often used, which means avoiding exertion and engagement in life. Sure, our schedules may be full of busyness, but are we truly allowing ourselves to be engaged in life and affected by it? My interview today is with Michael Shahan. Michael is a marriage and family therapist who practices in Kansas City, Missouri. He is passionate about helping people get unstuck and become the best version of themselves. He specializes in trauma work and uses the Enneagram with all of his clients. Michael is also an Enneagram type nine. If you follow him on Instagram at michaelshahan underscore therapy, you know he also has a knack for pegging each type with his Enneagram memes as well as speaking directly to the pain points of each Enneagram type and offering ideas for growth and development. We actually begin our interview by talking about the funny Enneagram memes and how they can be a door into the world of self-discovery for many people. We all love a good Enneagram meme, don't we? They point things out about ourselves and others in a safe way um, and we can laugh at ourselves. And for many, these memes are a bridge to more self-awareness and growth. We start digging into the why behind our behaviors, seeking to bring more fulfillment to our lives. I'm assuming that's what brought you here to this podcast today. You want something more, don't you? Listen to this interview. Allow this conversation to be a catalyst for deeper self-awareness and encouragement for you to engage more fully in your life every day. I'm excited that you're here because, um, you know, I follow your work on Instagram and, um, I think it's really cool to see nines out there doing what you're doing Mm, and kind of like putting your voice out there, but also you have this therapy background, you're a therapist. Mm. And so where do you live? You live in Kansas city, Missouri. Yes. Greater Kansas city area. Yes. And, um, you have your license in marriage and family therapy. And are you, you're still currently practicing like you have clients now or? Yep, absolutely. And then tell us how you're, um, you're also integrating Enneagram into that. So I integrated Enneagram in my practice since like some of my first clients post-grad school, because I heard about the Enneagram right, right near the end of grad school and I've heard about it enough to like want to apply it. And to me, it just made sense. Like therapy is sort of working on understanding why we do what we do and shifting our patterns into things that are more helpful, right? And just kind of making the, I like the phrase, making the covert overt in our lives and our systems, like calling those things to the surface. And like, that's exactly what the Enneagram does. And so to me, it just seemed like a perfect fit. It seemed perfect. It just dovetailed right into what I already do. And it, and it gave me, as a nine, gave me language to challenge clients that wasn't my own. So like, yeah, like, oh, well, the Enneagram <laughs> says that uh, you might be operating out of fear, fear on that. Like, well, I didn't say that. Don't be mad at me. The right, Enneagram says Enneagram. it. So it's it was always <laughs> this way to like soften some of the stuff for my conflict avoidantness. Um, yeah. And so it just fit. And I just learned more and more. And I spent thousands of hours talking with clients that I was able to say like, hey, I listened to this podcast and you said this is your number. Does this is this true for you? Like really helped me step in their shoes even more than I already do as a nine. and give me language to stay curious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it really like shows clients that I care about them. Like, Hey, I was listening to this podcast and I thought of you, like, is this true? Yeah. Like just even them being able to experience that and my curiosity in that way, I think in itself was really helpful. And then I don't know, the more I learned, the more stuff clicked, the more I was able to sort of 
understand couples and their own inner workings when you have pairings together. And, and I don't know, I just, I've loved it. And it's just grown and grown. And then, so I started my own Instagram for just therapy trauma stuff. And I didn't do anything Instagram related for about a year. I didn't think I like was good enough for deserved to do that. And I started doing it and especially the memes just started exploding. <laughs> it's like, apparently people like this, which is weird. I didn't expect that to happen, which is again, very nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. What I love about the memes and is also the thing that like gets people stuck in the memes is that they're like, Oh, that's funny. Or like it, it kind of identifies them with, yeah, I do. I do that. And that's funny. And, but they don't necessarily get past it. Sometimes they just kind sure. of get stuck in the, the funniness of it. I think, I also think of that with, um, it's almost like in the past, I don't know, 15, 20 years with just TV and um, like the office, you know how the office, when they're, re- they're filming a scene, you know, it's like in real time, they're like, they've got the mm-hmm. camera, they're moving and they're showing the nuances of everyone's personality. Oh, sure. It's, it's yeah. like our, um, we've become very interest. We've become more and more interested in the way people do things or the, mm. you know, highlighting the funny things about someone's personality or, or whatever. So I think memes also connect us to that. Yeah. They let us sort of joke and laugh about really hard things about ourselves. Like it's like yes. you, the entryway is this like funniness and then you're laughing at this thing. You're like, whoa, like, but also you have this deep awareness of some of your patterns that you, it might have been too difficult to see on its own, just directly said to you. Yeah. So it's able to, to kind of ease into some self-awareness that can be really difficult at times. I think with that humor that can create some compassion for ourselves, I think. Right. In your practice, do you, do you have a lot of nines come to you? Mm, not any more than other numbers, I think. But what's interesting is fellow nines can be either my favorite clients or my least favorite clients because it's like, I know exactly what we're struggling with and I don't even know how to handle that. And so I can like, I can find myself shutting down at times with like one or two nines that I've had before who are so disconnected from themselves that it was so, I don't know, triggering, so spot on like I would start to like shut down too is wild or like I had just depths of compassion I don't know it's been it's been very polarized my own reaction to other nines interestingly enough (laughs) yeah it's hard for nines because they're often just Mm. so numbed out and so asleep to what's happening and that self-awareness can cannot be there or yeah that indolence that kind of that yeah that like almost like mental laziness, like, uh, is it worth that effort for when it's related to me? And so like other people, yeah, I'll do all this stuff for other people, but like, ah, it seems really hard to like really focus on myself and that's going to inconvenience my wife when I have to leave for therapy or, or my pocketbook. Like, I don't want to do that. It just seems too hard. I think I'm okay. Things will be okay. And we can go right back into that. Like everything's going to be okay, which long-term it's not. I think that's what we can use the healthy side of six to like, Let's look at things that aren't going to be okay if I keep doing this. Sort of use that six line to, to let us d- do something different, to actually like think of what could go wrong and what we need to do about it. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so a question about you as a therapist. What is, like, what, what makes you passionate about the work that you do? What makes me passionate? Oof. Um, or why is it, why is it something you continue or you want to do? I get to share with people experientially and let them experience that they are loved and understood no matter what I think Mm -hmm. to like somebody to share something with me. Like I've never told anybody that before. I can't believe this. And they just fully expecting me to leave or 
shame them or whatever. And I'm just like, I just like, I get it. No wonder you do that. Of course you do that. Like, why would you not? Like, yeah. Okay. And I think like giving that, that love and acceptance, like unconditional love Mm -hmm. to people is my favorite thing to do in the entire world. Cause I think for us to love ourselves, we have to know what it's like to be loved. Mm. We're sort of, we, we tend to treat ourselves the same way we were treated growing up. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if we treat it poorly, we don't really have the capacity to love ourselves and have compassion for ourselves. Um, yeah. And so I think that's why one of my favorite things to do is give people that experience so that they can start doing it on their own. And when I see people start doing it on their own, it is just the most exciting thing in the world. Like you just did that. You just did this and took it. You just had compassion for yourself. Did you hear that? And I get so excited. I get so excited because it's like my favorite thing ever to see people sort of wake up to to loving themselves, to seeing their own value and their own worth. Yeah. I think nothing but good comes from that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) That's really awesome. Um, When I was in high school, um, I... I guess I've always been one of these people that wanted to know why the why behind a behavior, like where's this coming from? Or I've always looked for a reason as to why I was doing something. So, oh, I'm doing Mm. this because I'm the youngest child in my family, or I'm doing this because X, Y, Z, like that's just the way my brain is kind of structured to, to look for reason in, in my life. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why the Enneagram has been huge for me because it's like, oh, like I've, I've always, like I, I, I literally do have ADHD and I have anxiety. That's a, that's just part of my story. And, and those are also things that I put my, my, you know, kind of a box that I put myself in. Like, I'm Mm. like this because of this, I'm like this because I'm the youngest child and the Enneagram can also be a box. But my point is like, I'm just always looking for a structure to say, Mm. this is how I know myself. Yeah. That's yeah. I did that too growing up. Like, yeah, just thinking those thoughts about why I did what I did. I remember the first time I ever thought about, like, I had, I had a friend who, who was telling her story, her and her sister, their parents got divorced when they were younger. And one of the sisters sort of backed away from everybody and didn't want to have relationships with anybody anymore. One of them went way into relationships and got into unhealthy relationships just for the sake of being in a relationship. And I remember thinking, like, what makes that different? Like, why yeah. one sister does this and one sister does this? That just fascinated me to no end. Like, what is it about them that caused them to defend themselves in very different ways from the same thing happening. And that's just, yeah. I don't know, questions like that are just so fascinating to me. I am obsessed with learning people's stories and why they do what they do and and yeah. what drives them. I just, I, I, I'm, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Michael, one of the reasons I asked you specifically here, I want the listeners to, I guess, get like a bird's eye view or have an understanding of so we know the Enneagram, we're learning up about our patterns and the roles and kind of the, the ways that we show up in the world. How would you educate someone on how they got to where they were? Like, mm. how is it that a person's personality comes to be what it is? Our personality tends to be patterns of thinking and feeling and doing that have turned on autopilot for us. Like they have met needs for us well growing up. And so they kind of threw out other ways to cope and stuck firmly with this. And it's become a deeply rooted pattern. Like you walk into a room, you're like, why was I here again? You're so on autopilot. Like the same thing with a personality. Like something happens and I'm going to immediately react. Do like, and it gets drilled more and more and more in me, the more I do it. But I think as we're growing up, we tend to try out different ways of, of handling things, right? And what tends to work for us tends to stick. 
And I think I think we're sort of born our Enneagram number. And so because of that, we're kind of uniquely wounded by specific things that other numbers wouldn't. And we kind of learn to cope with it in similar ways. Does that make sense? Like, like my twin brother copes with things very differently than I do, even though we experienced the same childhood. Like things that bothered me about our childhood didn't seem to bother him. When, when there was a lot of anger in my household, I tended to shy away and want to escape and, and shut down and say, okay, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. My brother, twin brothers, Nate, tended to buck up and challenge. And he sort of learned just, I don't know, because of his temperament, because of his fears and motivations and the nuanced way that he learned and, and picked up on things and handled things that sort of became more ingrained in him. And it's interesting seeing things in my kids, like watching them grow up try out a coping mechanism like oh that didn't work let me try another one because when we're adults we tend to have a handful that we just go to over and over and over again right they work even if they are hurting us that's probably why people end up in therapy it's like what i've always done doesn't work anymore what do i do um so i think it tends to be this autopilot that we just sort of learned that sort of uniquely felt like it fixed or protected us from the things that were wounding us growing up no matter how imperfect or perfect our parents were there's no such thing as raising your kids without wounding them no such thing. That was a very comforting thing for me actually to realize. Yeah. As a parent, um, for a sure back. too. As a parent. Oh man. Yes. And it's like some compassion and, and that leads to compassion for my own parents. Like yeah. I can hold all these things, this anger and frustration for doing all these things, but like, it's okay to be angry at them. That's an important emotion for me to feel, to feel like, to, so I don't like abandon myself, but also like they, nothing they could have done could have been perfect and not wounded me. So you think, um, going back to that, what you said about we're born kind of with that mm-hmm. more of a sensitive I call it like in my class that I teach I call it a sensitivity to certain wounds because there's like a connection some people teach this idea called the holy idea mm-hmm. and I like looking at it as almost it's the whole idea means it gets very woohoo languagey at times um, mm-hmm. but I think there's a lot of beauty to it like it's how in our humanness we can't experience reality like it's not like God does Mm-hmm. And so we can experience a little sliver of it. So we're born experiencing that. And then when we lose contact with that, we try to get it back. And that's where our personality comes from. I don't know if that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, it so does. This, so for nines, this idea of holy love, meaning everything is beautiful and wonderful and everybody, um, yeah, like this, this is a very love-based. Um, like connected to God type of like connected to the love of God. Yes, 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 yes. And some, maybe another number, maybe is born connected to the wisdom of God, or that. This is very simplified, or 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 the 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 compassion of God, and these things. And so we're connected to that. And then when we start to grow up and experience pain and wounds, we sort of uh, uh, get detached from that, and we kind of freak out because we we don't have it anymore. We want to get back to it, and so our coping yeah. mechanisms look like trying to force these things back in, but that never really works long term, mm-hmm. unfortunately. It, th- there's an idea called object relations theory. Mm-hmm. Like sort of when, when kids are born, babies are born, they don't see themselves as separate from their parents. But like it's a, I am my mom. And so when I'm separated, there's lots of distress that I feel because like I've lost part of myself. That's why kids are bad at sharing because like this toy is me. Like we're connected to things and don't see a separateness. But as we grow up, there's more separateness that's created. And when that separateness is created, we feel a loss of this connection. We are almost like to me, almost like paradise lost like adam and eve kind of story like there's this paradise and we all feel it we're all longing for something that's not there but we can't quite name it and we're trying to find it and i think it's different for each enneagram number and we try to achieve finding that in a different way and usually ends up we don't get to take part in it for nines this holy love we give to everybody else everybody else matters and everybody else 
makes sense and then compassion for everybody but not me i don't get to sort of be involved in that wholeness that everybody else is and that's why like that fear of loss and disconnection that makes perfect sense because like yeah kind of living it when we're unhealthy and we're, we don't like it and we want to get out of it and we get out in our attempt to get out of it that's the thing with personality patterns like our attempt to force it like we want holy love and we want to get along and we want to belong and not be separated. And so we like cut down parts of ourselves. So we risk disconnection less, but in doing so we are disconnecting from ourselves. Yeah. It's tragic. Like in our attempt and to we're get losing to where we want to be, we lose yeah. it. Exactly. That's, yes. I do find that also very fascinating and frustrating because it's like, once you can kind of see that about yourself, that, we're going to, we're going about getting our needs met in completely the wrong way. It's like, if we yes. just went, instead of going this, this long way, if we just went this little shortcut, it's like, just go this way. And you're going to start getting, digging into that well mm-hmm. of, of love or whatever you need so yeah. much faster. And it's crazy. Cause it, I think getting there can feel counterproductive to a personality. It can feel like giving up, mm-hmm. <laughs> feel like not trying. Cause it's a lot of letting go of control and finding that that love is already there. It's yeah. not, you don't have to, I don't know, in my opinion, that's what it looks like. It's already there in us. And so it's not a, it's more of a stopping running rather than running better or running in a different way. It's more of stop running. I don't know if that makes any sense. Stop like, trying. Stop trying stop so trying. hard. Yes. Yeah, yeah, like work smarter, not harder. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. 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 And even like for me, it shows up in this wanting to let go of control and like be at ease in life. And it's like, oh, I'm not letting it go of control. What good enough? How do I? how do I make myself let go of control? (laughs) It's like, that's coming from a place of controlling, trying to control it. And it's so hard to stay there. I think we talked about the why behind the why behind the motivations, the why behind the action. So I think it's a really important for a person to understand, you know, when we're, we're talking about childhood patterns, family of origin, you know, the the system that we were kind of born into. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you talk a little bit about, how that system like is how important that system is in a person's yeah, life then, and how and it kind of carries carries through mm-hmm. yes so yeah like we i like to say it like a um growing up we become we we learn to play a role in our family system like our family system is functioning and we sort of learn to play a role that fits with all the other roles as this perfect little cog in the, in this machine even mm-hmm. if we hate it even if we hate it and so when we leave our family system and, and move on and grow up or, or get married or create our own family system, even if we've hated how the role we play, we find ourselves connecting to people and finding people that play the roles that let us fit in. Like yep. even the things that we, if we hated how our parents were, we're going to find somebody who treated us that way because that's comfortable. I know what to do there. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's some of the hardest work ever is to this, uh, this phrase that you understand, but some of the listeners might not homeostasis, this kind of the system wanting to go back to normal. So if you try to change something in your family system and behave differently, everybody else is going to unconsciously react in ways to kind of push you back to where you kind of belong. Like, no, yeah. no, no, you're not allowed to do that. You never do that. So we're going to, whether they know they're doing that or not, a lot of times it's unconscious. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we grow up and we keep these same roles and we find ourselves playing the same roles, even if we're like re-traumatizing ourselves, because that's what we know and that's what's comfortable. And we don't believe we deserve anything different. And we, can we believe that we are those patterns and we almost can't even conceive of anything different. Right. Um, It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. Yes. uh Uh-huh. And I think it's, which that idea used to really upset me. This just seemed very unfair. And it's like, I got a bone to pick with 
God or whatever, or how people were made, because this seems very unfair mm-hmm. <laughs> that we tend to just get back in these same things to wound us. But I, I heard somebody say, like, there's this sort of unconscious attempt to heal our wounds by re-experiencing them and experiencing them in a new way. Like, I'm going to be with somebody who treats me the same way, and now I'm going to defend myself in a way that I couldn't growing up because I was a kid. And I can sort of heal these wounds by finding somebody who provides this. Does that make sense? And I kind of like that. To me, that's kind of hopeful. Like, it's we're attempting mm-hmm. to heal ourselves and heal these wounds by finding somebody who's similar mm-hmm. and, and, like, doing it differently. And, and yeah. doing it safe way that might not have been safe growing up right I don't know I just and I think I think I do I do hear some hope in that too because when you think about um generation after generation like if people aren't if people are very much ingrained in their way Mm -hmm. of living and it's carrying on from generation to generation and they're but and they're actually like seeking out more trauma for themselves essentially yep the opportunity for like great healing if they can yeah. learn to push yes. through that and then it changes things that's one of the things i'm most passionate about in my work like in the old testament god's talking to i think like um on the map mount sinai i think he says something like this is a verse that i think is a lot of times taken out it says like god will punish generations a thousand generations but he'll reward and that, to me that maybe they're just describing like god knows how we work if he created us, he knows how we work. And he knows that if we don't take care of these things, they're going to continue wounding people and are like further and further along our line. And yeah. so to know the importance of if I can shift this and heal this, then I won't have to re-wound my kids. And so my yeah. kids' kids have a completely different experience. And to me, that is one of the most hopeful things that that sits with me as a therapist. That like I'm not just doing healing work with this person. I'm just changing their patterns, like changing their kids and their kids' kids and their kids' kids' kids, and their, kids, kids, kids and their opportunity for for where they're at in life, which yeah. is yeah really really cool for me (laughs) yeah that's like super like talk about I don't know like a passion like that's that's Mm -hmm. like a that's something to drive you forward is really being a part of that work yes even if work seems really small it's like it just it's spider webs in the future in ways that I'll never see and that's really encouraging to Mm -hmm. me like I'm able to help people in that way (laughs) so if the, if the type nine comes out of their family of origin and they have this message, like I've heard of the, um, the social role that nines play, like the nobody special, like I'm just, yeah, like I'm, I'm not, just I'm nobody special. I'm nobody yeah. special. I don't matter that much anyways. And so then they start going into other relationships with this yeah. message. Yes. 100%. And they start seeing it show up in that yep. as well. They, they'll see it show up even if it's not showing up but it eventually will show up. Probably they tend to find people who treat them that way, unfortunately. Yes. And so that wound has been put there through their childhood. And then they just repeat that pattern over and over and over. Like how do they even enter into the world of, of trying to change those patterns for themselves? That's a good question. So are you asking like, not even, how do they practically do it? But how do they even see that as important enough to start doing when they come from that place that I'm not special? Is that, are you? Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is some people don't even care. Like they're like, yeah, I'm lazy or I'm, you know, I'm a couch potato and these memes are funny. This Enneagram thing is funny. And yeah, they're pegging me, but they don't, they just don't care. They don't want to go any further. They're like, I'm really great. Yeah. And I think that's such a great, I think if they don't want to go, then I'm not going to make them go. (laughs) I can't I literally can't I think until until we realize that the patterns we're doing are no longer working for us we won't change them we can't Mm -hmm. change them 
um, permanently. We can't change them well and have the the courage that it takes to continue stepping forward. Does yeah. that make sense? Like, unless we want, unless we see, oh man, like I am actually hurting people by withdrawing from them. Yeah. Hurting myself. I'm not showing up in ways that like God made me to these amazing gifts and nobody gets them. Nobody gets to receive them. Or like in my attempt to keep the peace and be okay, like I feel awful most of the time. Like it sort of goes and it's like the train just gets derailed and like, yeah, it just doesn't work anymore. Like we sort of change happens when, I forgot who said this, but when the pain of staying the same becomes worse than the pain of change. Yes. So it's like, I can change. I feel these flickers of like I don't want to do this anymore I don't like this maybe I can be different but then the nine comes back and it's like no you're fine like okay but like because because the idea of changing and doing something different is so scary but it's not until the idea of staying the same becomes scarier than changing that I think people really have the motivation to step out and I think for me it shifted in grad school when I was with 20 other people who were all therapists and I've never felt more cared about and given more space to be me in my entire life like I share these really hard things. And I remember like I cried in front of these people about this part of my story and I never really share with anybody. And then I had this mental, I was like, oh, well, here it goes. They're, they're going to be annoyed. It's going to be too much. I'm gonna start. And this lady said, thank you for honoring with me that and sharing that with me. And I was like, huh? Yes. <laughs> and, and, and just being accepted and loved and appreciated. And I think that more than almost anything changed. Yeah. And that, that allowed me to start seeing, I think that was probably related to like how much God cared about me. And then how I don't have to earn my worth and, and all these things. And I was able to, I had some hidden addictions that I'd had for years, not told anybody about that. I was just numbing out with. And I was able to like, even see, like, I don't know if I want that. Like I want to be connected to people and this is not connected to people when I'm hiding everything from them and not showing up in this desire to connect people. Cause I was able to experience it, to be loved and connected to and appreciated. And that created this, like, like woke me up to how much I wanted that everywhere. Yes. I had successfully convinced myself that I didn't need that or I didn't want that or I didn't deserve it or something. Wow, that's so good. So so essentially what you're saying is so pain can can lead somebody to be like, something's gotta give here. This isn't I'm hitting up against Yes. It's no longer working for me. It's making everything worse. Yes, yes. Or you just love. shared an example of of yeah, love. Right. Great pain or great great suffering. Great suffering or great love. Are you about to quote Richard Rohr? No, I'm just like oh, okay. acknowledging like, you're what you're saying. Pulling that out of what I was saying. And that's one of my favorite things that he says is the thing that changes the most changes. The, the thing that changes us the most is great love and great suffering. Those are the only things that can really break down our ego patterns and, and show us that we want something else or that we deserve something else. Wow. And I love that. So that's much. amazing. That is so Jesus. amazing. I was, um, I did, are you familiar with Celebrate Recovery? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. So yes. I, I went into a celebrate recovery in um, about, about 10 or 15 years ago and um, started doing the celebrate recovery at my church to help like that. It it was I want to help people. That's what brought me to the table of like, I want to help. Mm-hmm. I knew I was having anxiety in my life and struggling, but I wasn't cognizant enough or like awake enough to that to say, oh, I have anxiety and I want to go get help for that. But, yeah, I, sure. but what what led me to to getting there was that I a desire to help others. And through that, it helped me. Like, obviously, yes. like I went to help others and it helped me and just all this fear and being able to share my story and that shared experience of mm. saying, this is who I am. This is my story. These are my wounds. Um, but re- what reminded me of that is I got up to share, 
you know, part of my story to everyone that was there. And um, it felt really good to do that. But I'll, but when I was going back to my chair, the the lady that was kind of like my sponsor, she was like, Lindsay, that was so good. Like you are worth this, like you're worth doing this work. And I was just like, like, mm-hmm. it just, I mean, just how, how basic against the message you had been sort of yeah, telling yourself. Exactly. So and how basic of a thing to say, mm-hmm. how like, but for her to say, you're worth this, like, keep, keep going here. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Like, yes. And so, um, you know, you mentioned this kind of this idea of the pain that can take us into getting better or the, the love mm-hmm. or, and, or as well. I think. Yeah. And, that. or yeah. Yeah. Kind of tasting something that's good there that, that we were like, Oh, where'd that come from? Where, where is that? That mm-hmm. feels very hidden and buried past your defenses that you never really let it in. That hit something that was buried that you sort of closed off because you didn't think you could get it anymore or something, but something sneaks its way in there and, and touches you in that way. Like, whoa. Right. <laughs> like one quick example, like what my wife, when all the stuff started happening with her, with her cancer and stuff, there's great pain there, great suffering and so much love from people. Like I have never, man, this is a really fresh. I've never felt so loved and cared for it's like people every day like what do you need can i help you what do you need i was like they why was my first reaction like why do these people like i had no idea this many people would be more than willing to give so much of themselves and like i've almost had to take them up on that in ways that i haven't before because my life is not together right now with all this stuff happening and we've needed more help than before and able to like receive that love has been so healing it's come right alongside with at the same time the suffering <laughs> and it's been yeah fascinating to see like it like breaking down those ego parts of me with the suffering and knowing that i can't keep playing the personality games that i've been playing before like i don't have the energy for that anymore mm-hmm. i'm just kind of like forced to receive like when i first told a friend about called a friend when i first found out about everything with my wife the first thing he said was god's got this which we can debate theologically that for a long time but to me in that moment it wasn't helpful like I don't care right now like that's not what I care about um and so I said to him I think in my nineness before I've been like thanks that's encouraging appreciate it and like pretended that that meant a lot just to soothe him but instead I said I don't need that right now that doesn't help which I would have not said had I not been so broken down and I was able mm-hmm. to does that make sense like the, those mm-hmm. my nineness I heard somebody say recently that tears our egos dissolved by tears. Like it kind of takes away these things that we normally do to protect ourselves and to function. We just can't do them anymore. And then we learn that like, Oh, I can be okay without that. And I actually can be better without that in ways. And it's just really interesting to see. Yeah. What's also making me think about, and I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I've, you know, I just know that it's hard to talk about and I appreciate you sharing that. Um, But it makes me think about what we, you, what you were saying earlier of when, so we have these patterns of showing up in the world and we might be seeking out others that, that fit right and into that yep, yep, cycle yep. of pattern, but love God, you know, is, is trying to kind of like shine through to get yeah. us to like surrender ultimately. Mm-hmm. And, and what, what you just said about the tears, tell, say that quote again. Yeah. Uh, the ego is dissolved by tears. 
the egos dissolve by tears. That's, that's just mm. that. I mean, that's blowing my mind a little bit because right? it yes. makes you think about a child and how a child's, mm. you know, childlike faith in the position that we're in as a child, so vulnerable and we're learning about the world and um, we are, we're being wounded mm. by the world, but also it's almost like God, God is able to come through in those moments of tears, in those moments of surrender, in those moments of like, you have nothing else to do right now, but just receive mm. the love from the people around you. Wow. Yeah. And because we work so hard to not receive that. Yeah. <laughs> and our ego is very structured in a way to, pr- to like protect, to be an adult, to be a protected human being, to be safe. Mm-hmm. And then we're, we're going through a very like tender space. And I think I'm just kind of taken aback by the, um, the grace of God, you mm-hmm. know, that he would want to show you that like in your tenderness mm-hmm. in your like, as much as you are helping others and you're like serving, serving, giving, giving, and you're, you're just kind of taken aback by, by the pure love of people's generosity or reaching out to you or. Yes. What's crazy is that like the giving, 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 that's what I needed was to get given to like I was giving to other people what I needed the whole time and I think we all do that does that Say make that sense again. I was giving to other people what I needed the whole time yes like yes. there's a part of me that knows that I need to be loved for exactly who I am and it's hard for me and so I give that to other people everywhere easily but I but I think that points out to something in me that's needed does that yeah. make sense yeah like we sort of go around giving other people what we actually need and which we can use that as a way like what do I give to other people? Maybe that's what I need. And able right. to take a look at it in that way, I think can be tremendously helpful. And it, yeah, tremendously helpful. And as much work as you've done on yourself as a person, and as much as you know, all of the theories and the, mm-hmm. what we're talking about, these patterns, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like just the purity of love that pierces through yeah. what you need. I just... It just makes me think of the goodness of God when I, when I think about that. And what I would like for our listeners to hear, maybe they're experiencing pain that's saying like, I I need to fix this. I don't know how to fix this. If they're like me, they might be also experiencing shame. Like I tried to fix this. I Mm -hmm. I'm in this cycle of not knowing how to fix this, or maybe they're experiencing love or this like divine thing we're talking about that that pierces through like, hello, I see you. I I love you. (laughs) Um, It makes me think of from the wisdom of the Enneagram, the essence that's in us. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. What do they mean when they say like your essence is still there? Yeah. That idea that we are all created in the image of God, like underneath our personality, under like underneath all of our ways that we've tried to, make things right our egos need to have control and have power and have all this stuff underneath all that is before quote like the fall in the old testament stories Mm -hmm. there was like we were made in the image of god and there's like paradise place and so like this essence of god is image is in us and nothing can change that nothing that we do can ever change that and it's more of a i don't know i see it as a almost like a running from that we're like we're, we're we're yeah, our growth doesn't come from addition. It comes from subtraction. Our growth doesn't come from adding things that we don't have. It comes from taking the defensive mechanisms and the, and the postures of defense and not accepting love that we've 
use so much in life. And so underneath that, if we can set that down, we will connect with the image of God already in us and the love of God that's already in us. And then we're able to give it to other people in, in, in more direct ways. I think that's how I see it at least. Yeah. Why do, why do you that. think people don't think that's still there? I think just their own personality patterns don't let them see it. It's hard to trust that it's there, right? It's like my ego says, I have to be in control and I have to have the answers and I have to make things black and white. Jim Finley, this guy says, to the ego that com- claims to be everything, when it, if it finds out that it is nothing, that would be its undoing. Like, like our own ego thinks it's like we make meaning of things and this is how the world works and this is what I need to do. This is how people think of me. Like, but that's not the full truth of everything. And it's scary to let go of that. It's the, probably the, one of the riskiest things we could do is to let go of that. Um, and accept that there is like an uncom- unconditional love force, especially if that was never mirrored to us growing up. It's even more difficult to do. It's it's hard to trust or believe. We don't have the wiring to even believe that that's the the the, the case. Yeah, and it just feels really unsafe. Yeah, to, like, unsafe let go. Yes, it feels way too risky. It's way too risky to to even to trust that something like that could be on the other side. If there's someone listening out there and they maybe aren't experiencing pain or they don't they don't see the pain that they have but maybe you are experiencing like some moments of of pure love some moments of enjoyment some moments of connection yeah. i would say like focus in there more focus into those spaces like if they say that nines are very easily connect to nature yeah, like if yes. if when you're in nature you're connecting to something that's divine and you're like oh that that's what i want more of yeah. I think that's what we're talking about here is that. Yes. I love that you said more of, because that means I think if you connect to it, want more of it, that means you, you're already experiencing it in a small way. You wouldn't be interested. You wouldn't be driven to find that if it wasn't already there in my opinion. Yeah. And if, if a nine is not necessarily, if they're not driven to get better mm. and they're not experiencing pain, that's like pushing up against him so hard, like mm. causing them to just surrender and like, I gotta, something's gotta give here. Like mm-hmm. the pain of change, what you're saying. Yeah. Then I think what we're saying is if you want to experience more of the divine nature we're talking about, this divine love that ultimately we've been disconnected from, mm-hmm. then change may be exactly what is needed like like moving forward Mm -hmm. and taking the steps and realizing that you're worth it you are worth the work of moving forward and the more forward you move the more you're gonna experience that divine love yeah that jim feeling i mentioned earlier says he says moving forward to our origin so moving forward but in that finding who we were the whole time and our value that was there the whole time before we built all the scaffolding around it so it's such a cool like paradox of moving forward and ending up where we always were. I want this for us. I want us to keep moving forward, staying awake to ourselves and being willing to be affected by life. I know you're here because you want a better life, right? I hope you've heard loud and clear today that it's in the work of moving forward and opening ourselves up to experience life that we find ourselves and we begin to see that we have been there all along. I'm seeking that for myself every day. How can I set myself up for success in such a way that I let in all these divine moments of love? What decisions do I need to make to align my world with more connection, more fun, and more purpose? Let's keep doing this together. 
make sure you're signed up for my email list, subscribe to this podcast, and if you aren't a member of the Peacemakers community on Facebook, look for the link down below in the show notes. Thanks, and I'll talk to you soon.